Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. This live recorded Permaweb panel at Only Arweave's Twitter space features a number of topics, co-hosted by Only Arweave, Rob of Arweavers, and Xylophone of Arweave.news. Topics covered include the Graph's official blog post stating that they'll be indexing Arweave, NFTs on Verto and what's to come, Metaplex's candy machine, and a ton more. We get into the details and have a lot of fun in this conversation. Enjoy. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. All right, so just getting started here, going to wait for some of the fellow co-hosts to join in on our second Permaweb Pioneers panel. What's up, guys? Hey, Rob. Oh, hey, just got co-host. Hey, hey, everyone. Um, We're just about to get into the discussion as our second Permaweb Pioneers panel um, here on Twitter Spaces. And uh, for those of you that maybe weren't here last time, um, that was our first Permaweb Pioneers panel. And the intention here is that we're going to wrap these up into podcast episodes. And then we'll also have dedicated podcast episodes that are not Twitter Spaces live events um, as we build out the ecosystem of podcasts and so on uh, for the Arweave community. Uh, this time around, what we're focused on is kind of the latest and greatest happening within the Arweave ecosystem. Uh, just like any other week in the, in the ecosystem, there's been a lot going on, a lot of activity, a ton of growth. You know, just in the dev discord alone, one of the developers was, was commenting, you know, they had thought they had scaled the, the system enough um, for the project they're working on. And they did that by 24x. Uh, and um, they needed to scale even further uh, because of the amount of growth happening within the ecosystem. So uh, I'm curious and uh, I'd like to start off with um, the graph, right? So uh, first of all, if our co-host uh, can just give a brief introduction, uh, that's great. Yeah, sure. So so we... Uh... We, we heard some, uh, we saw a blog post from, from the graph this week talking about how they will integrate with Arweave. We haven't actually seen Arweave listed as a subgraph yet, but we know, um, well, I know from talking with Sam that they have been working kind of hand in hand. Sam has been working with the team from the graph to um, build a custom integration essentially to, to ensure that um, all, all Arweave data can be available. Um, via the graph. So what that basically means is that there is a uh, a layer two on top of Arweave, which is indexing Arweave's um, data um, and is available kind of in a decentralized fashion. So so previously to to the graph, um, the way that people would be getting their data from um, 
blockchains like um, any any basically Ethereum based blockchains was the first thing that the graph was was solving for, um, and and they were setting up their own centralized systems in order to quickly index um, quickly index the blockchain history so that they could pull that into their into their applications. And what that really turns um, what that really turns the the system that's running off of that into is just as bad as um, a centralized system. So you're relying on this one centralized point of failure once again. Um, and the graph really then turned that into like a node-based system. You can run your own graph node. Um, there are a variety of them, and you can query these these um, the graph nodes um, using GraphQL. Um, basically, a very easy to use um, API, which is already indexed. Um, I think it's sixteen thousand um, protocols, uh, which is um, basically making blockchain data very easily available. And it's also not necessarily um, you don't need to trust um, the the centralized provider of that information for it. Um, so. It's it's a good step forward for Arweave. Um, it's it's a layer two on top of it, uh, which means that generally you might get faster speeds querying um, from the graph than you might from from Arweave. Just some background, really, on 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 the graph Arweave integration there. Great, thank you. Appreciate that update. So it sounds like you know increasing efficiency and also making it kind of more robust, so it's not as centralized as far as the indexing and the querying of data and GraphQL, you know, will, will help quite a bit and the graph rather uh, in, in making that data accessible. Hey, I have a quick question if I, if I may. So are, are they essentially, uh, I mean, may, maybe better questions. What, to, to what degree are they outsourcing the, the caching of, of data to, to our weave nodes or, or is it, is it our weave nodes? Uh, it is not our weave nodes. So the caching of data happens on the graph side. So so all of the our weave data is publicly available, um, and you know the the graph nodes are incentivized to to cache that and serve it um, to anyone who wants it. Um, and I think I think really what what is important here is that um, you don't have to rely on this. Um, so I think I think more so from the Ethereum side, you would previously not have um, any kind of service that would be able to quickly and efficiently index the data, um, and the graph solved that by um, keeping regular caches on across nodes. Um, and so now this kind of similar integration, which exposes a really easy to use API, is going to be available for our weave too. Got it. Thanks for the explanation. Great. Yeah. So we actually have uh, an individual from Redstone, um, Marcin. Is that the correct pronunciation of your name? Um, like to invite you up to speak if you're open to that. Um, Xylophone, are you uh, are you up to share a little bit about what's going on with Redstone nodes and uh, and the future here that we can see with Redstone as they build out their functionality and token and so on? Yeah, for sure. So. Um... Redstone's now going to be uh, opening up the n opening up their node network. So previously, I believe Redstone was only running nodes from their own HQ. They were running their own nodes, um, and now it's possible to 
um, spin up your own node if you if you check the Redstone node GitHub repository. It's possible to go and run your own Redstone node, um, and as part of that, there's going to be a proof of stake system um, which uses Red Redstone's um, native token um, as as the as I guess the the stake which can be slashed um, if if the node misbehaves um, there, and so. What that node will be responsible for is to is um, collecting pricing data to feed the oracle um, from. I, th I can't remember the exact number. Maybe Masin, you can you can uh, clarify. I think it's somewhere between forty and sixty um, price sources. Um, and the node, what it basically does, as I understand, is it um, aggregates that data and it throws away any anomalies um, in order to be able to precisely um, and quickly um, return exact price data on a, on a variety of commodities. I know there is, there's over a thousand um, commodities um, tokens, um, stocks, everything from all of the, all of the crypto tokens that are, that are listed on um, major, major exchanges um, down to down to things like grain and, and cheese, right? So um, all all of those all of those um, price feeds um, are available through Redstone. But to be able to trust that information, um, you need a, um, a you know a, de a decentralized network of nodes that that can feed that information to clients that that want it. Um, I know right now Redstone is running its own nodes. It's running them on AWS and on Amazon. That's um, that it's in itself is a is a centralized point of failure. Um, and so I'm pretty happy to hear that we're getting um, a more a more diverse network of nodes serving that data. Right. So in in, in combination with the graph, which is obviously an entirely different thing here, uh, I think what we're seeing generally in the ecosystem is more of a focus focus on decentralization and it's really nice to see more and more projects you know going towards the decentralization model that that are we really thrives upon um yeah and, exactly uh, it's it's like um at the, at the beginning you've got to run your own systems like for example the the are we've the are we've dot net gateway um that that was you know the first Arweave gateway, and now we're seeing the Vartex um, Docker image, which makes it possible for anybody to pretty easily spin up their own gateway on um, decent hardware. Um, and we're seeing um, you know nodes nodes on the Bundler network coming coming through, um, so that you're able to start um, running your own Bundler. Everything starts at the beginning um, on just one node, right? And then as you as you as you expand and um, you you kind of get a proof of concept on the technology, then after that, then it's 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 time to kind of truly double down on the decentralization and trustlessness of it all, and um, and and start open sourcing the node um, the node code and uh, get get people incentivized to run their own with. May that maybe that be with uh, with with tokens or with uh, yeah essentially essentially um, minting your own uh, proof of stake tokens in order to to incentivize good behavior from nodes and I think that's it becomes necessary over time um, as the network scales we've we've seen um, we've seen it become necessary that there are more nodes involved in things obviously like you said our weave has just been the growth has been such so exponential um, that it's uh, 
all of the all of the services as well that rely on Arweave and all of the um, peripheral ecosystem um, companies are starting now to need to outsource their computing power and their their um, their space to to other um, to to other node operators and incentivize them for doing so. Now, on this line of, of thought and trajectory within the ecosystem and decentralization at its core, and it's great to see these other protocols, uh, you know, enabling more decentralization. I think it's really important, I'm, and I'm interested in opening up the forum here, uh, and Rob, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts. Um, you know, the recent happenings at Facebook and all of the elements of, you know, their properties and so on just down. Uh, for six hours or whatever it was, uh, I'm just kind of curious to to hear a little bit maybe of the vision that you know um, anyone here has of of how we can see this ecosystem of Arweave in, in the you know progressive decentralization and, and decentralization for all of these ecosystem projects, how that plays out uh, and and what benefits uh, those those decentralized components provide. Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting that, you know, w when we talk about Facebook or, or the bigger companies in, in the, in the Arweave uh, ecosystem, it's usually in the context of uh, censorship and, and, and uh, how Arweave uh, is censorship resistant and all that. But this time it was simply, you know, it's a case of, you know, like a, an outage, right? And Arweave also sol solves that too or can solve that. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And it it's like, it feels like we've been given this, you know, remarkable tool set, which is our even, and now the expanding ecosystem. Um, but despite all its, you know, benefits, which, which I guess, you know, more obvious if you if you're within if you're operating within the ecosystem, um, you know, it it it, it appears that um, the majority has not yet sort of seen how how it could apply to them, and maybe it feels like you know stuff maybe needs to fail a bit before people realize that this can be a really useful tool to prevent against those failures. You know, for example, as, as you just highlighted Facebook and, and you know, the conglomerate outage, um, you know, we, we still haven't seen uh, a, a sort of a de facto standard for NFTs. Um, I wonder uh, if, if collectors need to sort of lose some of their really valuable NFTs before they realize that maybe, you know, permanent, permanent uh, NFTs are a good idea. Um, but generally, I was thinking, you know, it seems seems to be around three areas, like that the main use cases for Arweave at the moment that have emerged. It's around, you know, preserving preserving data for you know institutional purposes, um, and then of course, you know, the, the original censorship resistance, and then you know, uh, like platforms like Glass, which offer sort of uh, a possibility for you know to to reexamine the the relationship of monetization between the content. Pro, like creators and then the platforms so i'm seeing sort of you know things in those three areas yeah yeah no i definitely definitely hear you on that and what's so fascinating you bring up a great point rob uh about what happened with facebook is that you know the the potential and the already the delivery of of arweave as a protocol and the, and the permaweb which sits upon it it's it's not just about you know the censorship resistance and all the things that 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 provides it's also about reliability and not just having one central point where, where you know quote unquote one button's pushed or whatever and and the entire network goes down so i, I do think that's an important point now one of the things I, I am interested in in focusing on is this notion of like the permanent nfts right nfts are a super important 
part of, of, you know, blockchain, block weave, crypto as we know it today. It's a great entry point for individuals to explore, learn, and participate. And there's also, you know, just some elements that are fragile, right? There's this element of fragility that is, yeah, wow, it's pointing to, you know, URI and some file, and then someone stops paying for that uh, file to be hosted, and it's gone. Um, so on this note, I, I'm interested in, in speaking to the NFTs on Verto, and I know Xylophone at Arweave News, uh, you have some some insight and updates on what the Verto team is is working on for you know enabling Arweave backed or Arweave protocol based NFTs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's interesting the point about. Um everything that is currently um, uh, the majority of ethereum um, based nfts right now are either hosted on ipfs or on the um the centralized server probably running on something like amazon or microsoft um those assets are you know they're ex they're extremely um easy to be to get 404 in in some outage or in just the dev stops caring about the project um, one one really interesting example, I think, like when I was writing um, my first article for for our Weave News, I was quite fascinated with the idea of like how fragile NFTs actually are, and I took a look into like the most expensive ones um, and where they are hosted. And now I did find that a few of them were hosted on our Weave, which was which was great news, but but also a bunch of them, um, mainly mainly CryptoPunks actually, was is hosted literally on lavalabs.com for, like, forward slash punks.png or something like that. And and that isn't actually even um, the the punks themselves. It's like the main grid of, of every CryptoPunk. Um, it's one image of every CryptoPunk um, and what you buy is a um, is the is the grid position in that gr in that grid of, of your punk so it's it's very much just one image is referencing every single CryptoPunk um, and yeah so so I think that that's kind of very fragile and as I was looking into it, I found there hasn't there haven't been so many like huge scandalous outbreaks of everyone got rugged on their nfts um because a centralized server went down forever there have been a few um there have been a few like malicious developers for example um like early days maybe like 2018 2019 there have been there there were a few um developers that just sort of took their servers offline maybe like took took their customers money and um and, and ran with it just didn't didn't care about the project anymore um but uh, I think the, um, the a, a lot a lot of them a lot of them lately, especially Solana based ones, have been hosted like directly on on our we we're starting to see a shift away from IPFS as the as the as the main like go to, which which um, is a Filecoin project. Um, onto our weave as as the Solana native um, format at least. Um, and I think the IPFS to Arweave bridge, which we see a lot of transactions through. So if you just go into the the um, Arweave blockchain explorer, you can see 
and just like click through like ten transactions. There are a bunch of them which are like the which are um, using the IPFS to Arweave bridge. So we're starting to see this pretty big migration away from IPFS to Arweave, or at least using Arweave as a backup for um, for IPFS because IPFS was sold originally as this very secure decentralized way, but actually the node operators can decide to to throw it away at any point. Whereas in Arweave. Uh, yeah, they they aren't incentivized on IPFS to um to to continue storing um I should say, um, whereas on our weave um, miners are are incentivized um to to keep the assets around for for as long as possible um to keep to keep earning from it, um and I think one really great innovation that we've seen lately is the atomic M NFT standard um and so. That's an Arweave native native standard using Smartweave contracts as the um, as the way which assets are minted and transferred between um, between parties. Um, and I think Koi was one of the one of the first kind of spearhead movements of that. I think that they in com in, in in collaboration with um, Martin from the Verto team developed the Atomic NFT contract. Um, and basically how that works is that you um, deploy a new contract alongside the media file. Um, so the whole, the, whole, um, the whole NFT is bundled together with the contract that uses it. Um, the media file is stored on Arweave, the contract is stored on Arweave. They're inseparable and they are completely permanent. Um, and Essentially, they're treated like any other profit-sharing token on Verto, and so you've got you know you've got like our R drive token on Verto, um, and all of the other kind of profit-sharing communities that are on Verto. Um, they use these profit-sharing tokens, um, and our drive NFTs are treated essentially the same way. So the infrastructure is already there. So we have um, we have these. Um, we have these tokens, and you can or you can essentially just tap into the robustness of of the profit sharing tokens already to um, mint NFTs instead of um, passing just a blank data, uh, just blank data along with um, the NF along with the token. You can pass a media file, um, and that becomes the that that becomes the NFT and um, a core piece of infrastructure that has that has helped um, sort of. Um, make that obvious and make those make those tradable. Really, is is Verto. Um, since they are just essentially any other profit sharing token, um, it's possible to <clears throat> it's possible to trade those on 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 Verto. Um, and um, we, yeah, we're seeing we're seeing at least a few great collections already coming across on those. Um, I think. The first like major collection um, was the Bark Blocks collection, um, a series of like photographs of um, I think I can't remember the exact name of the tree, but it's like very up close photographs of some complex bark patterns on some um, trees from a Australian photographer who goes by Articulate dot f um, on Twitter um, and. And he's making use of of this um, of this on the Verto marketplace, and so Verto is basically expanded beyond just profit sharing tokens, and it's uh, now possible just to just with the exact same architecture um, to 
to use NFTs there too. Um, and I know Koi has also been making some great developments in that in that area. They've published um, some uh, documentation on AtomicNFT.com. They kind of um, brought that movement to the forefront, um, where you can either use a very user-friendly front end. You can use the Finny wallet, or you can use the Koi Rocks um, front end to upload your image files um, and earn attention rewards on them and trade them as NFTs on the Verto marketplace. Or you can actually use their pre-made smart contracts. So they've published, I think, a set of three, um, a set of three smart contracts, which are, um, which you can deploy if you want a more custom project. Um, and one of them is really cool. It's kind of a um, an NFT which evolves over time. So I think um, some some big news in the ecosystem a couple of weeks ago um, was around this um, Narcissus NFT, which is um, at its core, it's a um, a video of a of a um, Narcissus flower blooming, um, but it also has some code bundled into the NFT as well um, in as part of the same transaction which means that the more people who are viewing that particular instance of the NFT simultaneously um, causes the flower to bloom. So we're seeing um, the ability to bundle code, um, the contract, the asset file, everything all together into one, um, into one NFT transaction um, and have it stored permanently on the PermaWeb. And um, the functionality that comes with it could is basically endless you know you could have you could have collaborators on the same image you could have the image update given any kind of um code based um condition uh, like a like a simple example is is the attention um given to the flower to make it bloom um but um the, the possibilities are basically endless there and i think that's kind of a, a step up from the from the Ethereum standard, um, where it might be a bit more hacky to get that kind of thing working, and definitely less less stable, um, considering that the majority of um, NFTs minted on Ethereum right now are built on less than stable foundations, um, since 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 they're either stored on centralized services or they're stored on IPFS. Um, so I think some some there are still some ways to go on it. Um, I know Koi right now is working on a um, ERC721 compatible contract. Not sure exactly on the updates as to how that's working or when that'll be working. And also there are some platforms as well like Pianity, um, Music NFTs, uh, with which the Atomic NFT contract is not um, compatible. So I think... There are some ways to go on like adoption from different, for, from whoever is minting or distributing the NFTs. Um, the same way, like Ethereum managed to get adoption with the ERC um, seven twenty one standard because it is the only way to mint NFTs on Ethereum. So, if you want it to be compatible with the marketplaces or you want it to be compatible with basic functions of transferring um, or minting NFTs, then that is the standard that you have to use on Ethereum. Whereas Arweave started off being a bit more open-ended um, and there isn't necessarily a universally agreed upon standard for NFTs yet. But I think um, Koi and Verto are doing a really good job of pushing that through. Um, and we're already seeing some standardized contracts um, that are going to be able to be used to um, 
in a, in a similar way to ERC721 so that we can start to get um, different client apps which um, interface with these in a, in a reliable way and we can start to get some agreed upon standards um, from the community so that you know, you, we know what an, an Arweave NFT is, right? You know, it's very obvious what an Ethereum NFT is. Um, and I think we need to nail down exactly what an Arweave NFT is. And um, I think that that's the, the, the waves are being made in that department, and that's exciting. Yeah, thanks for that update. You know, Verto and Koi and Pianity and so many others are really in this stage, I think, of creating standardization. And the Atomic NFTs just presents such a cool opportunity for all these things to be packaged into, you know, one place, right? So it's not like pointing somewhere else and adding kind of layers of, I don't know, vulnerability or whatever it is. So it is nice to see uh, those standards come into place. I'm interested in, in, in kind of uh, going towards where Arweave is making real connections. And when I say connections, I'm saying, you know, kind of these partnerships. And these are like ecosystem kind of partnerships. I don't know if partnerships the correct word. These these events that are occurring that are just enabling the RWE protocol and the permweb to grow significantly. And one of those is Solana, right? And it's the the Solana kind of ecosystem connection with Arweave, and in particular Metaplex and the Metaplex candy machine. And this has seen like crazy amount of growth uh, just in the last, I don't know, two weeks or so with bundled transactions and and the number of candy machines deployed. I'm curious uh, if, if someone can comment on the Solana kind of ecosystem connection with Arweave and uh, thoughts on how this may uh, continue to play out or grow with the NFT marketplaces. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's pretty much fair to say that um, the Metaplex candy machine system, which which um, basically relies on on Arweave as its as its storage, um, just by default, is what has is what broke the gateway in the very beginning. Um, it, it's what um, took Arweave.net down um, in that first minting event with the DGN Ape Academy, and it is also subsequently what has forced the Arweave network to scale since um so the 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 way that the way that um the way that the network works is that um if if um, a ludicrous amount of transactions are submitted within the same millisecond of each other basically then um there is there isn't a guarantee that they are all going to go through um, miners may incentive are incentivized to take um, more valuable transactions, faster transactions, transactions closer to them, etc. Um, and so, for projects where um, it is absolutely vital that all ten thousand of your NFT transactions go through, otherwise it breaks the contract and breaks the the end user experience. Um, then it, it is it is necessary to improve your scalability pretty severely um i think i think that um metaplex candy machine was one of the first adopters of bundles they i think they may have even devised their own bundling system before josh went on to um create bundles formally in, in our weave 
but the the amount of um, the amount of candy machines, which are basically to explain, um, it's it's a it's a simple terminal based program where you supply a folder full of images and a folder full of metadata, um, and you have them linked together um, via Arweave, and you, you you are returned all of the transaction IDs, and then Metaplex, which is a NFT marketplace on Solana, um, is able to then t tie all of those contract IDs to your um, t to a uh, sorry all of those uh, media file transaction IDs to a contract, which allows people to bid and transfer and um, lists and and allows them to to um, list on the Metaplex marketplace, and Metaplex is not just like one marketplace; um, it's um, sort of like a, a tool which, which developers can use to spin up their own marketplace. So you might get like a, a Solana NFT project that uses Metaplex and you can't really tell that it is using it. Um, they're using their own site. They're using their own kind of functions. But under the, under the hood, um, their NFTs are being stored on, on Arweave and their contracts are kind of like the boilerplate um, candy machine contracts. And so I think around the time that we started seeing like instability from the gateways and the need for bundling, we had like in the low thousands of candy machines deployed. And then one week later we had 10,000. Um, and then this week it's something crazy like in the, in the 20, in the, in the 20 or 30,000 um, Metaplex candy machines deployed. So there is just an absolutely unprecedented amount of, um, of, of projects which are pushing the Arweave gateway, um, the Arweave gateways to their limits, and also sending through, you know, tens of thousands at a time transactions. Um, and so that, that I think has been the single biggest driver of, um, of, of scalability improvements to Arweave that we've seen. And so I think that's why it's relevant to be talking about um, the the Metaplex candy machine system since it chose to use Arweave as a default um, instead of going going towards something like IPFS. Just a brief yeah. question on the back of that, if I may. Um, what what standard is, is Metaplex using? Uh, is, it, is it the same as Atomic NFTs or uh, a different one? I th yeah, I think it's a different one. I think it's probably a Solana native standard um, that isn't... It's not ERC721. It's not... Um, it's not Arweave. It's it's the, the the Solana standard. I'm not sure what exactly that's called or whether there is one, uh, but yeah, it's they're using their own contracts basically. Which um, yeah, N NFT contracts essentially just fulfill um, a pretty limited set of purposes. You can they 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 log who owns it really. They just log which address um, owns this owns this NFT. Um, so you can you can kind of spin them up in any language and for any blockchain uh but yeah i think that they haven't standardized that as far as i'm as far as i know there isn't a solana um standard for nfts got it but then then the you know the important part the actual files themselves are stored on Arweave. is that right yeah that's right got it so this kind of continues the theme of this decentralization and a huge kind of uptick in decentralization over just the last week or two within the Arweave ecosystem. Um, and so I think this is probably an appropriate place because we're just talking about bundlers and the Metaplex candy machine with you know the Solana ecosystem, which is in massive uh, for the Arweave ecosystem at large. 
Um, it also has enabled a lot of innovation and work to be done on the Bundler network. And last week we had Josh, who's the main dev of the Bundler. And there's talk of founding a, a, a new DAO with a Bundler token and instructions on, on how to launch a node. Again, kind of like continuing this theme of decentralization, uh, where currently the only node is a subdomain of, of RWU.net. Um, so just curious of, of any comments, uh, insight on this bundler network uh, that is being prepared for launch. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think, yeah, the bundler network is kind of, it, it's, 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 is an excellent innovation, but like at its heart, something to understand is that it fixes, it fixes a, an unprecedented problem um, uh, with the Arweave network, uh, with any blockchain, to be honest, um, which is that miners are incentivized to choose the the transactions to mine which have the biggest rewards. Um, and so, if you are joining in on mining, so, uh, just yeah, I guess to backtrack for a second, we saw blocks between 20 and 50 gigabytes in size, which is just um, way beyond anything that our weave network had ever seen before um, on it um, on, on its blockchain. Um, so these 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 blocks of these kinds of size, um, it it is it is basically making it um, very attractive, um, very, very attractive for miners to um, to participate in seeding that um, that data, um, so I think it's kind of a clever way to incentivize miners. It's also a clever way to ensure that um, to ensure that data that you send to a bundler, which is basically a layer two on top of Arweave, um, it um, it is a node which caches the data, and instead of just sending it straight away to the network, and if it fails, then it fails. Um, the bundler is responsible for constantly um, attempting to submit this data until it goes through, right? And so, if you send your transactions to a bundler, it cannot fail. Um, so, it, in cases where you've got ten thousand NFTs, and if and if you only have like, if you only have nine thousand five hundred of them actually go through, then you've got like this dodgy mint. You've got like a failed mint event, right? Um, and completely undesirable um, and so the bundler network solves that problem by ensuring that any transaction that goes through um, to the bundler is eventually going to be mined and it also guarantees the exact transaction ID um, which it will eventually be mined at so it's possible to sort of continue regardless of whether it's actually been mined on the network um, and yeah so so Josh I think this week, at least, I saw it for the first time. Um, the Bundler Network website. It's um, at the moment you've just got the subdomain live, the docs.bundler.network, um, and there are instructions there as how to how you can basically get in early on the DAO um, and get your get your Bundler node running. Um, and I think the whole thing is based around the Bundler token B B N D L R um, and that is going to be used as a proof of stake system um, to ensure not only just that that nodes are behaving properly, like that they aren't manipulating the data, that they aren't um, you know sending incorrect data, like you might be able to get in in the case where there was only one node and no one monitoring it, 
Um, they, they are also monitoring um, whether the node is fast um, and whether it is actually using great hardware specs and whether it is, is seeding the data onto the network um, in, in a timely manner that you would expect from, from Web2. Um, so this really ties into our previous panel on how, how to bring um, Web2 like user experience in, with the, in line with the security and um, freedom of Web3. Um, so yeah, the, these, these, these nodes, um, they stake their bundler tokens, which actually are completely um, to be confirmed, to be, to be determined. Um, we, we, we're, we're awaiting an announcement as to, as to what kind of standard they're going to use or um, where they're going to be available. Um, but what we know for now is that a node needs to stake 25,000 bundler tokens um, and if it misbehaves, it will be slashed. Um, if it does not, then assumably there will be some um, proof-of-stake rewards for that node. Um, and also it will be helping um, scale the PermaWeb to, to Web2-like standards. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talk in the community and on the dev discord regarding the bundler network and the opportunities. Um, Rob, I'm interested in your thoughts. You know, we've talked uh, quite a bit about kind of the tech uh, innovations and the decentralization and the growth on that end, which has been massive, uh, especially in the last few weeks. Uh, you know, you run the R Weavers, and, and it's a great Telegram chat for anyone listening. Uh, be sure to follow Rob here as a co-host and, uh, and check that out. I'm curious what you're seeing in the community uh, as far as community development or what individuals are really enthusiastic about or asking about or whatever it may be, is there anything that comes to mind uh, that is kind of recent for the community to, I don't know, arrive to an aha or um, is wondering what's next or anything like that? Ah, thanks for the question. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, like right now, if there's like a specific uh, aha moment just yet, um, but we're, we're seeing a, you know, a healthy influx, steady influx of, of new people joining who, who are discovering we for the first time and I think if there's one thing in common, which I'm, which I'm hearing a lot is, oh my God, how, how come I didn't discover this before? Because fundamentally, this is so strong. It, it, has, um, it has a real purpose outside of speculative value, which is to you know, store data forever. Um, uh, but yes, generally, as you would expect of a sort of a crypto telegram community, a lot of, a lot of the chat is, is speculative, um, which, is, which is quite good fun. You know, there's a lot of when moon talk around and there's a lot of excitement uh, with the volatility of the of the price movements, um, it seems to be in an interesting place because I think if you look at the I don't want, I don't want to go off piste here, but if you look at sort of the token economics of Arweave, um, a, a lot of the tokens already out, right? Um, and then if you if you make that you know if you can if you compare that to let's say Filecoin, where you know the the fully diluted market cap is is significantly larger, um, that makes you know if you're looking at investing in storage. That makes are we, you know, potentially a very attractive choice. And considering you know the technological advantages as well, I think that's why may, maybe we're seeing a bit of um, influx from that. Um, but yeah, I think overall, sort of very, very positive, very uh, you know excited with the the recent price movements. Um, but also, I think you know compared to other other crypto communities, there seems to be a sense of you know the the because there are a lot of um, you know 
experienced members who are willing to to share uh, more information about Arweave and, and sort of uh, to teach others about Arweave. Um, there seems to be an awareness of of, um, of that too, and 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 you see a lot of um, you know you wake up and start the day, and it's not just the price that's being talked about, but also you know are we always making all time highs in the data storage front, right? Um, so that's that's really nice to see as well. Yeah, I do I do appreciate you bringing up the utilization component, right? This is the essence of the protocol and the permaweb is actually there's use. And it's so amazing to see these developments um, continue on and to grow significantly, as we've mentioned, um, with the bundler and the can, you know, the candy machine with the Solana uh, marketplaces and, and, and so on. Um, I'm curious, Rob, what you think, you know, we have a great audience here listening in Twitter spaces. I'm curious what you think, you know, as far as community growth, you know, what, what can we do as individuals that, are involved in this space to grow the community in a healthy way, you know, where individuals are informed, they're focused on utilization, and uh, basically up to contribute. Um, given your experience and, you know, the community development of our weavers and, and so on, uh, just curious your take on that. Yeah, thanks. That's, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's no, there's no uh, one specific answer, but I think if... Uh, you know, something comes to mind is just you know do what do what you can. Um, I started our weavers with with my friend Luis uh, last year um, simply because um, there was no available Telegram channel to to chat on about our weave because the official for various reasons the, the official channel was muted. So you know we we actually asked Sam like hey is this going to open anytime soon and you know for various reasons it wasn't so then we thought oh let's let's just make a sort of an unofficial chat right um, because that I, I did see you know an opportunity at the time there was you know have, having been a long time supporter um, there there was a lot of good news about our weave at that time you know Andreessen and Union Square coming in and so we thought hey well you know th- there's a lot of good news being shared but nowhere to share it. So let's just, you know, not not a dev, don't have that technical expertise, but you know, I, I do have some experience in community, so just let, let let's make a room, um, and that that's grown, and and that's it's it's you know really you know, really proud and happy to see that, um, but yeah, it was re- it was really simple. Um, I think everybody here has unique skills and and gifts, um, and are, are subject matter experts for their particular domain, um, and I wonder, you know, I'd, I'd invite your audience to think about. How maybe are we? If you are interested in, it, of course. If you're not, that that's totally okay too. Um, but how are we? May may fit into that. May fit and, and may benefit you. Um, and yeah, if you, if you see see some interest in, in a particular area where you could add value, then I, I encourage you to do that because it's it's very rewarding. Um, you know, obviously, if you're invested financially, then you know, <laughs> not financial advice, but I think there's a probability that this could could do very well. Um, I might be wrong on that though. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's sort of over- overall a very positive movement because we're, we're doing something where, which hasn't really been, really been done before, at least not on the internet, um, which is, you know, a, a real focused attempt to try to make, uh, data permanent and, and storage permanent and, and to actually sort of propagate that and, and not just, I think it's been done already, right? But it's, it's to the actual technical part, but it's it to sort of, um, make it like the norm. And then to make people realize what a powerful tool this is, uh, and I think overall this could be a very good thing for society. So yeah, I, I don't want to say it's like a char- charitable act, but I think you're definitely on on the good guys team here um, if you support Arweave. 
Yeah, I definitely appreciate those thoughts. You know, one thing that I think is so fascinating about this community and the dynamic is that there's almost like this, I don't know what the appropriate phrase is, there's like a philosophical entry point that I think many of us share, and that's long-term thinking. You know, to, to think in terms of perpetual storage uh, and thinking in hundreds of years and potentially thousands of years uh, of storage and data storage, it lends itself to a particular type of individual. That's not just about just the here and now, which is obviously very important. It's about the implications at a civilization level. Like what does this look like in 200 years? And that's just such an amazing area of thinking and, and process of thought that I think adds a very unique characteristic to this community. I personally think that it's very empowering and it looks towards the fundamentals and the basis of civilization at large and the importance of a knowledge base for earth. You know, a tweet that was sent out uh, through only our weave is like, let's build the greatest public library that's ever existed on earth. And in conversation with Sam, you know, one thing that I think that I point towards, and this is kind of on the topic of community, just from an ideological or philosophical lens, is that knowledge is not only text. Knowledge is obviously video, knowledge is audio, Knowledge is so many things, and knowledge is actually applications. So there's knowledge embedded in applications today. And of course, on the permaweb, these applications can persist. And so, you know, I guess, you know, just as to kind of wrap up here, um, sort of a final question is, you know, what sort of applications do you think or do we think will be increasingly valuable going forward 100 years, 200 years who knows? Thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say um, I can't. Re I can't remember the name of it, which is unfortunate. But um, there is. I don't know if anybody knows SciHub. Um, there is this. Um, it's essentially a a way to to get um, access to scientific papers. Um, I know that there is an RWE version of that that is being built, and I think that that kind of that kind of knowledge, that democratized access to um, to scientific knowledge, um, is extremely important. Um, and to have it backed up on RWE um, is, you know, necessary. Really, um, I know that that, that SciHub was was founded, and it's kind of been been under fire ever since. Um, and um, it it looks like we're getting a a version of it on our weave. I think that it was it, that it was in the Open Web Foundry recently. Um, maybe someone from the audience knows more about this um, and has the link. But um, I think these, if we're looking towards like an actual a store of a store of um, a store of extremely useful and and constantly referenceable knowledge, um, it's it's in the form of academic papers or um, gen general knowledge which is not which which is which may well be be gatekept or um, or, or or take taken down or or not not widely available in the future um, I think that a lot of the the servers which host which host anything to be honest is uh, are, are fragile um, and the more important and the more widely applicable and the more people that you're going to help with that knowledge, um, the more important the weave becomes for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to look into to Sci-Hub a bit. Um, and also, 
curious about only are with your um your your sort of proposal for hiring and, and library of alexandria would like like to hear more about that if you if you're able to share um i think you know two two parts uh answer to to your original question um i think first is you know, at, at this early stage, I think where Aweave is kind of being discovered, uh, sort of really like blue sky period um, for, for growth and, and then also use case growth. I think any any kind of positive interaction with Aweave and using that is a great thing. I see it maybe like a like a sort of a really big turning wheel and, and constantly turning wheel. And, and, and if you just sort of jump on board now and, and discover a, a specific use case where, you know, Aweave or an Aweave um adapt is is helping uh make things better or you know the discovery of, of a potential avenue where Aweave could be used i think that's that's simply enough in itself because at some point you'll realize um yeah and, and then by opening that possibility up to to new users they'll realize too the the possibilities because it's such a big concept to, to grasp it's like you know how 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 can we conceive that this data is going to sort of outlast us even ideally um, so I think I think that's you know any any kind of progress in that area as long as it's positive I think it's good progress. Um, the second part is that yeah very very interesting point and I think maybe touching on what our we news was saying about sort of different um, potential areas like you know uh, papers academic papers things like that. Well, these industries are much more slow moving. They're not as sexy. They're not as you know well funded and as sort of glamorous as as uh traded assets and crypto and 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 things like that but they are very very important because they're not you know very much the here and now but you know the history of today is being written or is being uh recorded now and by by historians and this this will probably be published at a future date right um and history is very important for us as as a civilization and yet at at the at you know always in the present moment it it doesn't seem to have much uh much how do you say that there's not a lot of attention cast on it, right? But inevitably, it becomes very important. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see how these slower moving industries, um, the recording of history, um, if you can even call that an industry, academia, um, all, all these places where you need, um, you know, permanent records, reliable permanent records, science, medicine, um, maybe even democracy itself. You know, who knows if, if this can be implemented into, into a voting system, for example. But because these are not sort of, uh, how do you say, super entertaining or, or, or front of front of house, front of Instagram or Netflix, then, you know, it takes a bit of time for that to, to percolate through. But I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And I genuinely do think that uh, we could disrupt those those areas as well. Yeah, thank, thanks for your thoughts on that. You know, I think one thing you mentioned is is really important is this notion of thinking slowly like these industries that are moving slowly, uh, if we're to you know define it in this type of pace, yet have so much power, so much uh, impact on our civilization as we know it and as we've known it historically, are areas where Arweave thrives. And I think this comes back to this kind of philosophical entry point for many individuals that come into the ecosystem of long-term thinking. It's not about spikes and everything, and it's great to see the ecosystem build out from all the things in which we've discussed today, from you know the graph uh, indexing Arweave, you know NFTs on Verto and and Redstone nodes um, and and all of the the work being done uh, with with smart weave contracts and bundlers and all of that. Those are really important fundamental layers 
of something that has a much larger and longer trajectory. And so I think, you know, uh, just to, to, to touch on one of the questions you had regarding this notion of building out the greatest public library Earth has ever seen, and um, as an individual, my involvement there, um, this is uh, in the works, just to be clear. Um, I'm, I'm building out uh, an ecosystem opportunity, I'll call it in that way, uh, for arriving to the ecosystem. So focused on onboarding developers, getting to that Arweave aha uh, for individuals that maybe aren't developers or, and are internet explorers. You know, many of us here, uh, maybe, maybe some of us are engineers, maybe we're internet explorers, as I call it. Um, maybe we're just really curious about what's going on in the world. Maybe we're all three. And so the in intention with this, you know, are we opportunity and the permaweb opportunity in which I'm involved is looking to, you know, provide funding for individuals that want to build out tool sets that make it really easy for developers to come on board, to make it super obvious of, okay, I want to do this. This is my path. Now, what do I do next? Right. And not just lay it out to make it a pleasant experience. There's a lot of things within the ecosystem that are very powerful. However, they're kind of in these little islands. You kind of have to find and seek out who to connect with to get access to that island. Um, so I'm focused uh, a lot on the accessibility of the resources and the way in which they're delivered. I'm also focused on creating what I'm calling Arweave Adventures. So it's about learning by doing. It's not just you know reading an article and, and thinking about it, which is hugely important, just to be clear. It's also about now I'm going to get a wallet, right? I'm going to actually get R Connect, and I'm going to upload my first file to the PermaWeb. Um, I'm going to use R Drive. I'm going to use Accord. I'm going to use these uh, amazing platforms that are already out there on the PermaWeb. And then maybe, right, by doing these adventures, there's a reward in addition to being introduced to these things. And so I'm working on a number of pathways um, you know, between the onboarding of developers to kind of Arweave explorers and arriving to this Arweave epiphany, as I call it, or the Arweave aha, and wrapping that up into a cohesive experience where you can kind of land on this site, as an example, and choose your adventure, right? Are you a developer? Are you an explorer? Are you someone that maybe just heard about this and want to learn more? And, um, you know, these are, these are kernels of opportunity. So I am looking for individuals that are interested in participating, utilizing uh, their, you know, their interests, their strengths, their emphases um, to, to make this happen and create a cohesive experience uh, really centered around long-term thinkers. You know, this is a profound concept. I know, Rob, you touched on it. Um, and uh, Xylophone at Arweave News, of course, you've, you've, you've shared this. This is big stuff. And it can take a bit to wrap one's mind around the implications. And um, I often refer to Arweave as like a potential civilization level uh, implementation. And the changes and the implications of something like this are massive. So it is important, I think, to just think what can be, what is, or what may be one of the most profound use cases for Arweave going forward for the next 100 years, for the next 200 years. So I'd like to close off just with that thought for all of you to contemplate um, as you think long-term and you think about now and kind of piecing these things together of what can be built on Arweave, um, what area are you interested in contributing and, uh, and be in touch. Send a DM to uh, at only Arweave 
happy to connect. Um, again, looking for uh, those that are on development side, those are in community building, um, you know, audio, visual, et cetera. Uh, just looking to create a great experience, uh, entry point and uh, implementation. So uh, we'll wrap up our second Permaweb Pioneers panel. Uh, thank you, Rob uh, of Rweavers. And uh, thank you, Xylophone of Rweave News. And uh, thank you all here in Twitter spaces for, for being here and listening in. This is something that we'd like to make a ritual of, ideally every week. And uh, from, from our channels, we'll be letting you know when the next space is available. And uh, you know, just be in touch with us anytime. Uh, I think that's okay, Rob and, and Xylophone, um, regarding Arweave, and yeah, uh, definitely, sure. happy, definitely happy Absolutely. to respond to DMs. Okay, cool. Well, um, great. Have a great day or night or whatever it is, wherever you are. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and um, be sure to follow along um, on our, uh, our, our Twitter profiles here and uh, we'll be in touch for the next Permweb Pioneers panel. Thank you, sir. Thank you all. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permaweb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the Permaweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.